Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. Today I have an honored guest, a guy I've been following for a while. He's a very, very good tennis player. He used to be ranked around ATP 400. Uh, he's still tearing it up on the UTR circuit right now at the moment. Probably you, you watched his channel, My Tennis HQ, where he publishes a lot of informational content. He also has a fun series with Winston Du, where he's teaching a 4.5 NTRP player to improve a lot. So uh, we're going to chat about loads of things. I hope you find it interesting. Welcome to the Tennis Nerd Podcast, Karu. Hi, thanks for having me, Ernest. Uh, the, the man, the man that like, knows all the gear. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> even want to do record reviews anymore because you're just on it. Like, I, <laughs> I know all the, all the stakes, you know, all the, the frames. I love it. Um, but thanks for having me. Let's, uh, let's have a good chat. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, tell me a bit about your YouTube journey. Like, you you've, haven't been on so long, but you're closing in on the 100K. So, it's, it's been a, a really good growth. Like, how, how long have you been doing it? And, and what's been some good learnings for you over this, this few years? Um, yeah, I think we're closing in at three years now. Like, and in, in sort of, you know, it's been a lot of trial and error, really. Um, it kind of started as, a, a, I, I have a business partner. Uh, we started actually my tennis HQ, just the website, uh, just mytennishq.com. And it was supposed to be just kind of passive income, SEO stuff, write the articles, hopefully ranks on Google. So that kind of started that way. And then kind of six months in, he he was just kind of like, you you know, I've always kind of like playing with cameras and, and making footage and all that stuff. So like, maybe you should try YouTube, you know, see, see what happens. And, and, you know, I, I, we started it kind of aimlessly. Like I didn't, didn't really know, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's a bit of a saturated market, not too much. I'd say like other sports, maybe a little bit bigger, but still it's kind of hard to know what direction you want to go. I, I think I always wanted to do more instructional stuff. Um, but we, you know, it started that way. The racket reviews were actually kind of something that we did early on, I think, because more people will organically find you because they're searching for this racket or that racket. So that's where some something clicked or I was like, oh, if I maybe focus on this for a little bit, we'll get the growth and and then slowly maybe I can pivot more into the, the more instructional stuff or at the time I was left, I was working with Naomi. So there was obviously some fun um, content there that, you know, obviously a lot of people couldn't have the access to she was cool with like you know letting me film and all that so uh, a lot of times most people just want to watch you know two pros rally down the middle and that's that's fun so i was able to use that a little bit early on to 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 get some growth and you know slowly but surely sort of figured out the game of youtube the algorithm it's you know it can be a little limiting into what you do but um it was a it was a fun thing and and i think obviously um, a little bit of the access I had with Naomi or not with Marcos or with some players has helped um, um, create the, the platform. And yeah, just obviously it was a lot of trial and error. Just, you know, what sticks here? What what can you do? And, you're, you know, after maybe like each year, you're just kind of like, what can I do now that stays like, in, you know, interesting, engaging for yourself too? I think if you're doing something that you feel passionate about, I think people feel it so that's um, been like that, and obviously it, it's grown, I think, faster than I expected ever. So, it, it, you know, shout out to everyone that has helped with that. Cool. No, it's great. I, I mean, I've been watching your content for a while, and I think it's great. It's kind of refreshing. You have very like honest take, and I also, I mean, always like coaches or you know content creators in general that has like a direct take. They don't try to kind of just 
play the fiddle of, of the general you know consensus of something they try to be like this is my approach this worked for me this is what i believe in and, and you go for that and i think that's great uh, so now you work with marcus right you're you're great mm -hmm. friends and are you working with him as you know professional relationship as well yeah yeah so we basically i mean for the last two years i mean we we've talked a lot tennis i mean we're always like chatting we're always just kind of like having conversations about i mean obviously he's playing at the highest level and I'm always curious, you know, with, with players that have made it to that level, you know, to, to, you know, what is working, what's, what are things they're, they're seeing. And, and I think, you know, I, I think he always trusted my eye a little bit, my input a little bit. And I think this year he, he really wanted to make a push. Um, uh, he's been working with Max, who was another teammate of ours, Max Tabatron. He was a, a teammate of ours at UCLA as well. Uh, who's been, you know, doing the, the full tour for a couple of years now. It can be a lot. Um, so, he, you know, he just asked, for, you know, if I could come in into the team and we're splitting the week. So my, Max has been in the clay court season. I'm leaving actually to, to the grass court season, probably a week or a week and a half. Um, and we, we started this year, I think last year, you know, did some preseason together. I obviously can, can still play with him. So it's kind of like, I think it, it, there is a, a, something to actually being on the other side and that, you know, seeing where I'm, I'm actually able to. You know, if I'm taking advantage of a, a situation, um, you know, at my level, I'm sure a guy top 100 can exploit that too. So I can, I can like here, I can take it to you if I'm doing this. So we got to work on this, this things and um, having kind of the three, uh, the three people, three heads kind of working together. Um, Marco's definitely, it's a tricky thing with coaches. Like, you know, I, I I always find it hard to, to know exactly what it, what makes it really a good coach, right? I think a lot of a lot of coaches who are on tour um, are really good, but a lot of coaches maybe haven't really done anything for a long time and maybe are living off past results. And I think Marcos is very aware of that, and he didn't want to like pay for that. I think there's like a few guys who you know, a Magnus Norman or um, you know Brad Stein has done some good jobs, some good jobs with with players, but. You know, not everyone, you just don't know if it's going to work out. And I think Marcos wanted someone that he knows not only like cares for his, his game, but cares for him as a person. So that's kind of how it, it worked out. And, and it's been good. I think the results um, could have been a little better, but he's been a bit more consistent this year in terms of like getting through quarters. He just needs to make that like final push, make a semi, make a final. But it's been, been a fun, fun year. Yeah, and he won his first match at the the French Open, so he's still in the event, right? So that will be yeah, nice. still in the event. Has Leheka, so should be you know a good a good match. Leheka plays plays a good ball, and and but you know in a Grand Slam, that's a that's a draw you want, right? You don't want uh, maybe Carlos next or in in Australia it was Medvedev first round, and that was that was a tough one. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, you yeah, got to have a little a bit of a match, luck. I would say, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So how, how do you like keep in touch now or are you kind of offline with him during this event, for example, and then you jump on in the grass court or do you like talk to him uh, like on, on the phone or something like that or on, during this? We, we have a group chat. There's a lot of like texting back and forth between the three of us. Um, you know, I try as I'm not there. I try not to like really, you know, give crazy inputs. I, I'm, you know, I see what I see on TV, but live, obviously you're not there. You don't know how he's practicing, if there's something that he's feeling um good or bad so you know i kind of let max take the bulk of the work and i i just you know you know let him know what i'm seeing when i'm watching on tv um and if things those things align we all chat but max max has been with him for a long time he knows how to how to handle it cool 
And I mean, your own playing career, uh, when did it stop? And, and why, why did you stop at that time? Because you were a really talented, I mean, still are a talented player. You're a pretty young guy still. And you're showing that on the, on the UTR circuit right now. So, so what happened there? Um, basically, you know, I stopped in 2019, like middle of 2019, I'd say. Um, I, so after school, after UCLA, I finished in 2016, had um, basically a year off. I, I was like, do I do this? Do I not do this? I, I wasn't sure. Um, you know, I'm, tw I'm 22, coming out of college. It's going to be hard to get a sponsor or anything. But so I, I kind of coached for a, for a year, but played a couple of events that I actually did like quarters of a 25K. And I was like, eh, maybe maybe I could still do this. And then in the summer, in that summer of 2017, I was like, oh, I'll give it a go. There's some futures in California. Um, I ended up winning my first future back. I qualified one, won the whole tournament. And I was like, well, I'm giving this a go now. And I played a solid like year and a half, uh, but financially I was just, I was just struggling really. I, 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 I kind of felt like I was half-assing it a little bit because I, I, you know, would play for two or three weeks, but have to come back and maybe do a little coaching for a couple of weeks. And, and, it, and it was a little bit of a struggle. I think I was a bit younger and, you know, it's hard to, I don't know, you, you get in your head about all those things, you know, instead of just kind of maybe pushing through, I thought at the time, maybe I got in the head about in my head about all those things. And slowly financially, it's just like, it, it felt so difficult and, you know, you can, you get a few opportunities here maybe to coach to to do something like that and you start making some money as a young guy you're like you know you kind of weigh in you're like why am i doing this you know because i live in los angeles it's a good area there's a lot of tennis um and then so basically in 2019 2018 i was doing pretty well then had a little bit of an injury it was fine 2019 they i don't know if you remember they tried to do that transition tour thing yeah, yeah and, and yeah so I, I i basically was like four something in the world or 500 in the world because i lost a couple points but it, it got it, at that point i had to like really restart my career because i i, I didn't have a ranking high enough to go playing challengers uh, in urban points and i didn't really have a good itf like ranking because at the time it was like you're gonna have an itf ranking that gets you into the challengers or something ridiculous um so basically i was gonna have to like go play 15 K's again. And I was like, you know, how's this possible? I was like, I don't have time for this BS. And, and I just kind of like that kind of pushed me over the edge. And, and I, I made the decision to, to just kind of stop and, and, and play, I played some men's opens and stuff, but just, just start coaching. So um, looking back, I probably feel like I should have maybe kept going, but I, it was also like 2020 COVID hits and for maybe a year and a half, there's no futures there's nothing really. So it was kind of the right time to do it. If I, if I'm being honest, cause I, I was able to actually work and, um, and, and, and stay out here, like, you know, have like my, my lessons and all that stuff. But it was a, it was a difficult kind of, kind of decision. And, but timing wise, again, with COVID, the, if I had kept going, it would have been like two years wasted anyway. So um, it kind of worked out, but it's basically the, the story of everybody. It's like financially, it was really difficult to, to stay out there do you and, and i hear that all the time like from friends that are like 150 or 200 or not anymore but they they quit due to that reason you know the grind of of working so hard but not making enough money um yeah. do you feel like there's some change that you know in your you know head or heart that they should change or 
Do you have any ideas of how they could fix this situation? Because like it's tennis is such a yeah. hard game to make a living from. Right? I think, I think, I mean, you know, I mean, if a, a player won 50 in the world and 200 in the world, I, you know, if your friends that were playing that at that level, like weren't making it, it's, I find that, that crazy. I, I, I think there's, obviously very utopian ways of thinking about it. How can it improve? How can it not improve? But I think a very, very basic uh, change that they can make is like, if you first round of qualities of a slam should be paying like at least 50 K for, for the first round. If you make into qualities of a, of a slam, you're 250 in the world and, and you get into that qualities and you make $50,000 for that, that, will keep you going for for a long time. Um, I think that the fact that a guy who's 250 and making into the slams still is struggling to, to keep it going, to maybe do it pro very professionally, um, it's, it's a big mistake. I, I, I don't think, I find it, you know, it's hard to, to be like, okay, a guy who's 450, 600 in the world is gonna be making a living out of tennis. I think that that's just never going to really happen. But a guy who's showing up at the slams, the slams have a crazy amount of money. I think if they put that that 50K in the qualities, 100K for the first round, you know, and anything between there for, for the people who are in qualities, that will keep players going for a longer time. Like that, if you could do, if you get to two qualifiers in a year, maybe you're borderline 250, right? and you make 100K out of that, that keeps you going for another year and a half, two years, um, and gives you a, a, another chance. So I, I say that's the easiest fix. I think there's a lot of things that can be done. I think obviously you have PTPA trying to do all this stuff, but I think this could be a, a quick shift like that. Um, and then I think there's a couple sort of like challenger, you know, rewards that you could have. You know, if you win a, a challenger or two, you should, you should be rewarded like a wild card into 250 or 500 um, of your choosing. You see like Tiago, who just beat Medvedev this morning. Um, he won a couple challengers this year. He's been playing some good ball. Um, and I, you know, I don't think his ranking at all like translates into his level. Um, so I think he could be having more opportunities, for example, to play some, some, some ATP events because he's been doing so well on the challenger tour. So I think, Bridging that um, is an important thing. And, and again, just a little more money on those qualities will go a long way. Yeah, I think that seems like a fair solution. Uh, right now you're playing the, um, the UTR events over there and, and you're doing really well. You won like three tournaments in a row. And uh, what, what's the prize money like there? And what's the experience if you compare it to playing like Futures, for example, which would be like the next step, I guess? Yeah, so... The format is that group group format, right? So that you have four groups of five players and you're going to play, you know, guaranteed uh, those four matches plus like, you know, whatever you place in the in your group and you advance to another bracket. So you can still, let's say you play second, you can still compete for like fifth and make more money. So there's still an incentive to not like just kind of tank um, at the end. Um, but basically you play those four matches, you if you if you win your group, you you go to the first place playoff semifinals and finals. Uh, so you're getting to a lot of matches, which is that's that's a format that is really interesting because you know tennis. There's a lot of like you lose first round and then what? And then you have like all this guys have a hard time getting a lot of matches, and you can tell, you know, anyone that like, you know, 
is going on a run um, and playing a lot of matches and getting matched tough, that's when you see the results coming. Um, so I, I really like those events. The prize money, it's at, for the winners, 3,600. So it's, I think, the same as a 25K, like a 25K future, uh, which is not bad, but it, it's also like, um guaranteed like four hundred dollars so if it's a local tournament and you play pay 40 bucks and you know you, if you place less you still make four four fifty and you can easily get to a thousand bucks in that week which is not that easy in a, in a future um it's in an itf event um and overall i mean they they're they're run pretty similar to to good futures and even challengers, I think uh, there's no line judge, uh, so that can be a, you know tough with some calls with the only one guy making the calls from the the chair. But overall, I mean, it's a really good event. The the live stream is on Amazon Prime, and and it's like it's actually really legit. And you can they they you know I've I've been playing here it's in Newport Beach, so it's like for me it's just a, a quick drive. Um, but they, they're offering some with like plus it's like 25k plus plus h and and they're having like a crazy amount of them so it props to utr for doing that I, I think like a lot of the players who play um are players who will see playing itf so we will see playing you know maybe challengers there's some younger guys sometimes that play a lot of juniors here in california played the high level ones um, I played recently in the finals, a, a, a former, like, I think Polish, like, you know, number one, and he was like 500 in the world, I think. And he's been kind of cleaning this up last year. He won like eight of them, I think. So he basically won his, all, all, all his income playing there. And I think it's an opportunity to, for players, you know, let's say I have a week off from, from futures or the tour to go and play some matches, work on your game, uh, if, especially if it's local. So I, I really like what UTR is doing. I, I think it's, uh. I think it's a good way to to you know promote the game and in california in america we have a lot of men's opens i know in europe i think they do too right like this kind of men's yeah. men's like opens and the, the, there's a lot of high quality players so you know a couple of the ones that i played are, are those and i think those are those are good for the sport maybe they don't give atp points but they they really engage the community it's nice do you really like enjoy the the adrenaline of the competition like it's it was this be like a first step to maybe going back and trying pro a bit uh yeah it's definitely been like i've had these conversations i think with marco and some of my former teammates like when you're removed from it you, you start enjoying sort of the psychological warfare of it again because it, now you're you know i think i'm a bit older i've taught a lot of this stuff on the channel about how to like manage your emotions and stuff like that but it's always easier said than done right it's always like um, you know, out, when you're sitting outside of the court, it's much easier to, to, to manage those things. But nowadays, you know, I'm on court, I'm feeling tight, I'm feeling pressure, I'm feeling all these things that everyone feels, but I'm more aware of it. And I'm more like, I still need to hit it. I still need, I need to execute. I can't just like play the outcome. And it's, it's a lot of internal like fighting, but I think in a, in a more, in a healthier way, because I'm a bit older and I, and I uh, understand it better. Um, and there's definitely a niche to play. Um, I, I want to go get like an ATP point and, and maybe like, you know, go at it again, because, um, I think I'm playing by far like my best tennis, not in terms of, I mean, technically I've gotten better throughout the years here, just teaching and improving my own game and, and, and whatnot. And, and I, I, I find myself to be a lot, a lot you know, my serve is a lot better than when I was actually on tour and, and all those things make it a little bit easier to, 
to play out there. So um, I want to go play. Uh, there was a few futures have, there's like seven right now happening in California, but they're really hard to get in. I don't have any points. I don't have any ITF points and uh, the qualifying draws are only 32. Um, so oh, wow. um, I won't, I won't get in in any of those. So I might have to go to like, you know, Europe somewhere, maybe Tunisia or Egypt too, or something like that, get, get some points and then play in America, but definitely considering it. Yeah, it sounds like a great idea. I mean, considering how you're playing right now as well, it must be like in your head that if you're winning these events and you're winning three in a row, it shows that your level is up there, right? So not to go for it would feel like uh, maybe I could have, you know, done something. Exactly. Else, you know, so. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel. It's just kind of like, you know, I think now with obviously having the channel and, and, and that feeling maybe there's a little bit more security, not necessarily it's just financial, not we're crushing it, but like I've, you, you have something on the side to, to keep you going and all that, because usually it's just that, that, that choice of playing versus coaching and, and, or, you know, going to get a job. Um, and then now I think there, it's a fun story. Obviously we've seen it with Felix, how everyone enjoys his, his content, his, his search for, uh, from tennis brothers that, that he's trying to get his ATP point. And, um, I think, I think it's a story that people, you know, rarely get to see, you know, a lot of people, a lot of the, those players just maybe, you know, don't make it and no one ever hears about it, but it is a, an interesting story with, with, you know, having to grind through those those you know levels of futures and challengers and and like you said i'm i'm playing really good ball and and i just want to like i just want the challenge i just want to see like where where exactly am i i'd say if i had to guess i'd say i'm around like a 500 in the world player nowadays 400 um I, you know just kind of looking at the competition and, and looking at the people who are around that that level so could i could i make it there I'm, i don't know but i i think will be an interesting uh, pursuit. So definitely, definitely consider it. I think it's probably going to happen after my grass court season with Marcos. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I think also, like you said, like it's like with the YouTube, you might be more relaxed and seeing it as like, okay, I can make content about this. If I lose, it's not the end of the world. You have an extra revenue stream or, or multiple, right? So it's not like the grind of the tennis tour is so rough when you only have that. Like if, if the, it's one match, decides your week, you know, or decides how mm -hmm. your mood is, you know, everything is like hanging on this kind of tiebreaker in the third, right? So it's that extra pressure. If you can relieve some of that, I think you're going to play better. Like you can, you can see it like, okay, this forehand, you know, I work on my forehand, like you said in, in a re recent video, that can be like content also like, okay, I, I didn't play well today. Why did I not play well? It's like a new video, right? So you have an idea, exactly. another way to, to use what's happening in the matches to also learn from and then to teach other people. So I think it's a, it's a great idea. Really. Yeah, it's almost like a little, like you can use it as like a reflection, you know, you make content, but you're reflecting on things. And, and, and yeah, I actually want to, you know, play some higher level events to maybe get my ass kicked and, and, and really like be like, oh, this is, this is here where it's falling apart. This is here where, where I you know I'm going to need to work. I, I definitely found like, I think a, a way to a formula to, to stay sharp and, and I'm not even hitting that much, but I'm staying sharp. I'm, I'm understanding like, my inputs at this point where I'm not, not second guessing anything. I'm just going at it. And, and so I totally agree. It's, it could be content. I, I, I maybe won't film as much of the matches because it's a, it's an extra stress that I wouldn't want to have. Like, you know, is my camera still on and I'm playing, I, I don't want that, but to have, be able to have those conversations and that, that reflection, I think uh, would be actually 
pretty interesting and I think helpful for myself. So um, definitely something I'm considering and I'm just going to, I'm just going to need to find the, the, the term and I can get in. Cause I think if I get into a qualities of a future, I'll likely get through it. And you know, that will give me already ITF points. And then if I get an ATP point, you just need that one ATP point. Cause then you get into every event. So um, that's kind of something where I'm looking at and it's like, again, why not? I'm 29, I'm turning 30 later this year, but nowadays you can stay healthy basically until 35 easily. So, um, I do feel like I'm physically, like, I wouldn't say my prime, like I'm in great shape, but I'm, I'm like, you know, I feel strong. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm full kind of grown now, <laughs> full grown man. Um, because nowadays, I mean, everyone's peaking at 30, 30, 29, 30, unless you're like really, you know, unless you're Carlos or some of those other guys, but the guys that grind through and maybe make it all the way to 28, 29 playing, that's when they start seeing some really good results. So why not kind of situation? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be amazing. I really hope you do it. What would you say is, it's like, it's a difficult question, but what, what, what would you say is like a difference from like an ATP 500 and an ATP top 100 player, like, or, or even 200 player? Like, where, where do you think you need to take that improvement? Is it like the, you know, heaviness of the ball? It can be different, obviously, you know, physicality, having a team. What, what are the things that you would say, like, would take you even further if you would just, like, play with the imagination a bit? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think there's, you know, different players will, will see it in different ways. I find it, in it ever since I, I've stopped playing and I, I've been coaching, I find it that, I personally just believe that mentally is is the biggest difference between a 500 player, a 200 player, and a 100 player, and, and so on and so forth. I think, uh, you know, it, you when I was playing, I, I was really good at futures. I had an over like 75% win rate in futures. And every time I played challengers, I, I, I psyched myself out. I was like, oh, these guys are so good as challengers and whatnot. And, I, you know, and I... It was just, why am I doing that? I'm like already losing the match before I even go on. You know, it's like, and I think, you know, you're slowly finding, because I, I think it gets to a point, for example, I am who I am as a player. You know, I'm I, my forehand has gotten better. I'm not going to hit my forehand like Carlos ever. It's just not the way I'm going to play. But how can I then really utilize, you know, what I do have, um, and maximize that. And, and I think a lot of players often don't have that direction. They don't know, don't know necessarily like that. There's a lot of second guessing. I had the same thing. I, I thought I was playing the right game. Um, but I, I maybe didn't have the right input to how to maybe maximize that. Um, and, and funny enough, like when we spend a little, Marcus and I, and, and Max spent a little time with Andre Agassi earlier or late last year just to you know get some of his input on marcos and all that but everything he was saying in terms of you know finding the right edges on court and not feeling like you're overplaying a little bit and taking the ball a little bit earlier how he he's always played was so like for me it was like whoa like you know like some, i just needed someone to tell me what i was trying to do was right just package it the the right way so i think those it, it's it's little things I, I obviously think there are some guys who just have crazy weapons you know big serves big forehands i mean there is just that but i think there are guys who have to be very you know smart on court figure out how to beat players in different ways that's why i always liked like andy murray i thought it was a guy who tennis iq was so high um that you know you just kind of have to find your own way and believe it it's it's as much as a cliche as it is 
the more you psych yourself out because of rankings, because of oh, this guy's good or this guy's matchup, this and that, you're just not going to make it. So um, if you can mentally stay in it and stay strong, I think that's, that's your biggest, um, like your biggest weapon. Yeah, I agree. I think the, the, the focus on mental strength and being like, you know, locked in, in the key situations, defining like, what is a key point? Like what, what, where do I need to put in the most effort? Because you can't be a hundred percent all match. Right. So you have to define mm -hmm. that seems to have been like more of an insight in the whole tour. And the question mm -hmm. is obviously how do you execute? How do you work on that? Like, you know, some people bring a mental trainer, that's a huge cost, but obviously you need a, if you can't do that, like you need a way to just work on it yourself, I guess, you know, do you have any ideas on how you could, you know, work on your mental uh, powers on the game? I think it's like, it's, I, I personally, you know, I'm not an expert in this. I can only speak by my, my own, I guess, experience. Um, I think recently it has been a lot of like, like I mentioned earlier, a lot of awareness of, of those, those feelings. And it's some, something that I think Marcos and I have, have spoken um, that, you know, Marcos, he did have like a, you know, a, a slow trajectory to top 100. He, he was really good off college, but then had to have surgery. And, you know, it took him all the way basically to 2019 to, to crack that top 100. And he said it is like, you know, in, in times where he thought about even like hanging it up, he, he said it. I had to have a very honest conversation with myself. Like, why was I, why was I shying away from the moment? Why was I, you know, basically, you know, mentally being weak on court? And, and, and he's had these conversations of like, just acknowledging that the, the, those situations are there and pressure, you're just not going to run for them. So you have to just go dive into it. And, and it's a, the hardest thing about, you know, especially coaching, like, you know, see juniors, you see even amateurs, just like kind of falling apart because of the pressure. And, and recently in my, in my experience, especially playing, it's been that it's like, I still feel nervous. I feel, you know, I'm serving for the match and, and, and you, you feel a little nervous, but can I just go back to, to my inputs, my execution, right? Execution versus outcome, not think about how my, the outcome of not just the match, but the shot and fully trust my input, whatever that is, right? If it's the acceleration, if it's, you know, the toss a little bit higher, whatever it is, I have a couple inputs that I have on the match and I just go at it. And I, you know, I've been very like, I, I talk a lot to myself on court and, but I, I, I do like, you know, I try to like alleviate that pressure by like, Ooh, I'm, I'm feeling a little tight here, but like, come on, let's go at it kind of thing. Or, you know, it's just, you're never going to be a hundred percent throughout the match mentally. You're going to play some, some tight points, but can you like go back to like staying like, calm and, and continue to, to play. So I think it, it all starts with that acknowledgement, uh, acknowledgement of, of those feelings are there and I'm not going to run from them. I'm going to continue to, to push through them and, and hit my shots the way I practice, the way I, you know, the way I, I always know. So, um, and then he, the last thing I think is just, you know, the, the, there's that phrase of like competent confidence in your competence, right? Like, so you have to, have trained enough and have confidence that you can pull out those, those, those shots in the moment. It could be just, you know, making a second serve on, you know, on a tight situation or, you know, putting a return on court or going for the forehand that maybe you're not as, as confident, confident all the time, but you've trained, you know, you can hit it and, and accept that, that the result live with that. Um, and, and basically, you know, 
errors are going to happen and losses are going to happen, but can I look back at it and, and say that was a good error because I made the right decision. I just didn't execute well. And it is what it is. So it's slow. It's slow. It's things like that. And, and I think obviously having fun and, and, you know, knowing that it's not life or death, it's, it's little things that, that have made me actually enjoy this warfare a little bit more uh, that I try to, you know, preach to my players. I try to preach on the channel, you know, yeah, and then let's get into that, the coaching part. Like, what do you enjoy the most of the coaching? Like, do you enjoy working with, kind of, like, beginners or do you prefer more, like, competitive players that you see you can you can bring out something a little bit extra? You can help them to, through some tough moments, for example. What's uh, kind of your favorite part of the, the coaching? Um, I like more advanced players, for sure. Um, I wouldn't – it doesn't have to be, you know, the, the best junior or the best, uh, you know, adult, but, like, someone that is already competing. Like, I, I, I don't coach a lot of, like, super young like, – like, very young kids or, like, very, very, like, beginner players. Um, I do it sometimes, but for the most part, um, I'm, I'm usually picking someone that already has strokes, already kind of knows how to play, and I think that's where my – my ex area of expertise is a little better. I mean, like shout out to everyone that coaches like little kids and, and, and really super beginners because it is a long process and to keep like, maybe to keep a six year old engaged for like 30 minutes, it's, it's a really difficult thing. So man, like, I think, I think Euro European countries, like, you know, I know France does a really good job with that. I, I used to talk to, to some of my, my friends and they're at like the low, low level and like little kids, they're really good with that stuff. So um, that's something that I need to like continue to develop as a coach. So I, I usually work with some more, more advanced players that they're competing because again, it all comes down to like, they think it's coming down. It's all their strokes. And I'm like, it's not your strokes. You know, it's a lot of, it can be footwork, it can be decision-making, it can be all that stuff. And I think I, I kind of have a good eye for that. Um, so definitely, definitely prefer that. Obviously, someone with Marcos, you know, at the highest level is the most fun. Um, but I guess a little bit the most stressful as well. <laughs> so, um, but I, I like I like that high level. I like someone that wants to compete. Someone that wants to like go at it. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm, I'm, I would be the same if I was in your shoes. Like that, it's more fun when there's stakes in the game, right? And it's mm. easier to measure results. I think even for players. On lower levels, whether it's intermediates like 3.5s or 4.0s, it's 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 always good to compete at some level because you have like a, at least some kind of measuring of how you're doing, whether you're improving or what's your biggest weakness. You know, whether you get super tight from the first mm -hmm. match or like towards the end of a match. You know, so I, I think that makes a lot of sense because that's where the 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 tennis real tennis is, in my opinion. You know, uh, although it's also fun to hit, but it's also it's, the competition can be nerve wracking for a lot of players. Uh, for sure. Yeah, and, I, I totally agree. It's like one of those things like, you know, I, 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 I talk about it in the channel sometimes, but I, I know the stressors of like a lot of the amateurs because I, I go through the same thing, for example, in golf. I love playing golf. You know, I'm, I, I, I want to get really good at golfing. And, but I go through the same emotional, like, oh my God, like, this is happening, this is happening. You just like, you, you, sometimes you just don't, you just line up on top of the ball make a good swing and live with the outcome. But like we just psych ourselves out a lot and you only, you can only feel those things in match. I, I, I always tell my, a lot of my players, I, I don't want you to be a good hitter. I want you to be a good player, a good hitter. I'm, I'm not interested. If you can hit down the middle a bunch of ball, who cares? I don't care about that. 
I want you to be a good player. So yes, I totally agree with you. Like if you're a 3.0, a 3.5, a 4.0 playing, it doesn't even have to be tournaments, but like just making everything into a game. You know, if you're rallying cross court, play a game to seven cross courts. You can only play cross. See what happens. You know, you just got, you just play games, games, games. I mean, I just remember, you know, as a teenager, it was basically just playing, you know, you're just playing different games and then you're finishing the, the practice with a set and just figuring out how to play the game. So uh, I find that to be the most enjoyable part. And I think people should enjoy that. And a lot of people, you know, obviously pressure and all that, but they just have a good time with that stuff. I think a lot of the people watching you probably, and I mean, people watching me as well, I would say are like somewhere 3.5 to 4.5, maybe 5.0. Then there's obviously you know beginners and and some higher ranked players, but for the the collaboration with Winston Dupe, for example, right? Like so, what, have you learned something from that? Like what have you seen as kind of a response to that collaboration? Because he's a he's a pretty solid player, four point five, I guess, right? NTRP, yeah. and and it seems like you've managed to unlock some of the weapons in his game already after after a short period of time. Yeah, I mean, I I think for sure a lot of my 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 subscribers are kind of around that level, the four O's, the 3.5s. Um, and Winston is kind of like that perfect example of that. He has definitely like a couple weapons um, where it's, you know, he has a great forehand. He's, he's a, he's a good athlete. Um, and, and so I think the, the, the idea from that was just kind of like, how can I, how can I maybe try to make a, someone around his level really see their own games a little bit more clearly because like Winston, you know, as good as he, he is for, for, you know, being an amateur player, he completely clueless, like into like what actually he should be doing on court, like utilizing strengths, protecting weaknesses, basically. Right. I think that's the number one priority when you're at that level. So, uh, you know, by working with him, and, you know, we don't, I don't see him that often, you know, it's, I wish I could see him more often, but I don't, I see him, you know, we, we, I have a, a serve lesson coming up with him, but basically I, I see him once a month, maybe, um, and that, that already helped him. Um, and I think if you are kind of around his level, you see, I, I haven't done any technical corrections. I'm not changing grips. I, I did a little back end lesson to really help him with the, with the footwork parts of it, but, but technically kind of stayed the same, just showing him a, a couple better inputs. But the main thing for him to improve is that that footwork staying a little bit better, a little lighter on the feet and, and really understanding is like, Oh, I can dominate people with my forehand. And this is what I need to be looking for all the time. Like forehand, it could be high. It could be opening the court. Um, it could be like, you know, creating, creating just chaos with the forehand. And, and so I want people to take away from the lessons. Most people maybe don't play like him. They don't have maybe the physical attributes. They, they're better backhands than forehands, whatever. But can you analyze your game to a point where it's like, oh, I, I'm really good at this. I'm okay at this. I can still train it. You can still, you're going to try to, you know, fill the gaps, but can I use what I have to get me to the finish line, you know, that day? And a lot of people like they'll go to the match. They're so nervous about a couple of shots that they're, they're not able to hit and everything else falls apart. I'm like, you still have some shots to work with, like get through it with that. 
Um, so it's been it's been a fun journey with him, and hopefully I can can keep you know helping him improve and 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 see him more often. It's just with my schedule has been been kind of tough, um, but definitely it's, I, he looks like he's like playing a little bit better tennis. It's just now I think he, a, a main thing is going to get his serve a little bit better, and I think he can like jump jump another level if he if he can. It's just serving is very difficult. Serving is like a difficult shot. <laughs> I've always found it very difficult, and, and, and it's a hard shot to like. If you're not on on core with them like very often it's, it's going to be a little tricky to to really get the message through yeah i think that you need the the rep, reps right it's like do you notice that mm -hmm. when you're uh, what's your kind of handicap level of, of golf then like because i see the serve sometimes as a golf stroke right you have everything yeah. under control but it's still up to you right so it's, and a lot of things can go wrong because there's so many mechanical parts in a serve or yeah. a golf swing right yeah absolutely i'm about like a six or seven handicap oh it's good, it's um, good level. Yeah. So, but that's exactly what it is. I go, you know, I, I recently shot like a crazy, like a, a 72 and a, you know, even in a, in a course and it was awesome. And, and then took some time off. I was playing some tournaments and went back to the same course and it was like an 83 or something like that. And it's, you take time off and you're just not as, you just don't, you're not feeling it as, as, as well. And, you know, some things go away and serving is definitely that it's, even this weekend, I just played a little event, and and I, during those UTR events and the the ones that I won, I I was serving lights out. That was like really like one of the keys to 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 winning, just holding serve comfortably and 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 having that in the the pocket. Uh, and this this last weekend definitely wasn't as as um, as consistent. Um, and and you know the clutch serving goes away a little bit. You don't have to serve perfectly, but sometimes you're so confident that you're, you when the moments come you actually know you're going to make them and sometimes you don't and, and i felt that this week and and i couldn't really find it i was serving fine but i couldn't really unlock it for for the tournament i still I still did okay it was it was a very like hard tournament it was more like an exhibition tournament but um but those things go away and you need the reps and and but you also need the reps with pressure you know you don't it's not just like going and hitting bucket to serve you you need reps with with pressure, with something on the line. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I tell Winston all the time, I, I know you, your channel is about matchups and different levels, but like, if you really want to get better, you got to play a bunch of four fives and, and figure this out. You got to play people at your level and, and, and actually take it to them. Cause it's easy to play me or someone that you're going to lose six Oh, but, but I want you to play a four five and actually you know, put all the things that we talk about into, into, you know, match. Cause obviously you, you're filming it. Uh, there's a press, if you're filming it, there's pressure. So, um, I think, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky game, but it's a game where you just, things go away, things come back, things go away. You just kind of have to weather it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I know. I know that's, but that's the fun part of the competition in tennis is that it, you know, you, the ten, game of tennis is a game of mistakes, right? So people don't mm -hmm. realize they, I think a lot of rec players think that it's okay. You, you try to look like Federer, and then some days you don't look like Federer. I mean, in your head, like I noticed, like if I put a camera on on players who are not used to being in front of cameras, uh, they are completely shocked by the result. You know, they think things look completely differently, and they're like, "Oh, what? I I can't watch this. Don't ever publish it. Don't." And okay, I'm like, I'm not gonna do anything with this, you know, because it's That's like funny. a scary thing to see yourself on camera when you're when your like vision in your head is different than what it is. Or, yeah, or I mean that's it's the feel versus real thing, and I I I think I mean an advice that I don't I don't I'm not the first one to say it, but 
film yourself. I know it's it's ugly, um, but when you see it, especially things that like you know like footwork, it's like oh I missed that shot, and you're in your head about like the the stroke, and you watch it back, you're like oh I was totally in the wrong position. That's just what it was, you know, and and so. Um, for, for everyone that's out there, that's, you know, at that level, film yourself as much as possible. I mean, it's, it, we have great phones nowadays with great cameras. You don't have to have like a professional setup, just put a camera out there and, you know, feel something's feeling bad, film it, but if something's feeling great, film it because like, you can maybe have a baseline to go back to, you know, it's like, oh, why was I serving this well? Like this last like month? You know, once it goes away, you can go back there. Oh, like my toss was like this or my, my take, you know, the way my, my, I was going up to the ball. It doesn't matter. It's just, I, I think it's a really, I wish I had more of that, that when I was like kind of growing up, that was a bit easier to film yourself. I don't think it was that easy. Um, but nowadays there's no excuse. Really. No, for sure. Have you noticed any kind of like, um, dealing with comments on YouTube and stuff like have, have you, have you struggled with that or just managing having a YouTube channel i think i i like to talk about that with other like collaborators or mm -hmm. content creators or whatever because i think it's like a thing that you know we can all relate on like how it's your story with that been um <laughs> uh i've been getting better at it it's one of those things where 99 percent of the comments are, are positive and then there's that one bad one that you just like it just irks you and you know, sometimes I, I, I reply and I, I'm a bit too sarcastic about it and, and I didn't delete it. And, and, you know, so it's a, it's, it's definitely been a, a tricky balance. Um, I think once you get to a certain level of, you know, people see you, you know, you know how it is and, and, and there's going to be people who just want to create something because, um, uh, I struggle in general, like just social media wise, I, I, you know, even before the channel, I was trying to be less on, on Instagram and less on social media. So I, I think my, my main issue is just the balance of everything. Like uh, I like YouTube as a, as a platform. I, I learn everything from YouTube. Um, I don't love Instagram as much, but it's part of the business. So it's like, I have to be, um, you know, trying to, you know, make content for both and, and repurposing things. And, and that, that can become a little bit stressful, to be honest. I think that managing all these like platforms, knowing that I think YouTube is the best one. I, even if you blow up on TikTok, what do they do? They go to YouTube because they know YouTube is like the one that you bring, you create this really core following of people that like truly care, I think, for what you're saying. Um, so that that's actually kind of like the part that like I struggle the most because, you know, it's so easy to then go on Instagram, post something, and then you're on Instagram and you're seeing a million things, you're wasting time and all that. Um, but that part, that, that part with like comments and all that, I, I definitely like, I'm trying to just let it go. And, and, and like, I, you know, it's like what Joe Rogan says, the post and ghost post and not really like try to look as much. I engage with the good comments. I read them for sure. And I read the bad ones, but you know, I think it just comes now with the territory. I just need to be a, do a better job at not engaging. And, and sometimes I do. What do you, what do you think? What do you do with the, that situation? I, I think I'm the same. I'm like, a, you know, bad stuff lingers in your head. I mean, it's the same. Like most people in the tennis community, uh, they are pretty nice. Like most of them are very nice. I've had so many nice comments, but they just like, sometimes like some guy, you're like, Oh my God, this guy, I mean, I have to, you know, and yeah. I cannot not reply, you know, <laughs> it's difficult <laughs> not to reply. Um, and you know, I also like a sarcastic response, you know, so I, I just mm -hmm. try to find a way, you know, but it, then it's like, it's a waste of time or usually because it's, it's, 
if, if he already writes that stuff and if it's it's usually something I completely disagree with like if he gives you know constructive criticism I'm 100% fine like I you know I'm fine with that I, I I've learned a lot from constructive criticism in everything right but if it's just like you completely disagree you think it's completely wrong or it's just a stupid comment then you want to you know respond in some way that maybe makes this person understand that why that he's stupid <laughs> you know, yeah i mean it's it's a hundred percent that it's a hundred percent that it's like when people criticize certain things or people maybe provide like a different point of view to a certain thing um you know like i i have, I have an old video that is just kind of like talking about the reality of the finances in tennis, you know, and I'm not really making a point that, you know, someone who's 500 in the world needs to make a million dollars a year. I'm just kind of showing the facts, the numbers. It was early on in our YouTube channel. And every once in a while, someone finds that video in comments, like, like, you know, if you're 500, like no one gives a shit about you and blah, 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 blah. And they're going over this stuff. And I'm just kind of like, Oh God, that just irks me so much. It's like, you know, what have you done? Have you become 500 in the world in your, you know, area of expertise? And you know what I mean? And it's like a, a really tricky, tricky balance <laughs> that, again, it, it's it, it's kind of funny. Sometimes, like, they, they do leave a door open for a funny reply. But I'm trying now to, you know, not not engage. Because who has, who has ever changed someone's mind on the Internet? It, it it never happens, right? It's like <laughs> I don't think uh, any any fights on comments really help. But uh, it's funny to see that like you guys you guys go through that stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's something interesting to uh, to talk about with other people because now I went to this event last week and it was like you know a few a few content creators and you get it like yeah you you also getting this you also you know everybody lives the same kind of life because it's the same type of job, right? Even if you do different mm -hmm. types of content, but it's the same type of stuff you're dealing with you know whether it's brands or it's like comments or people in general you know so it, it's an it, it's also a quite new job right it's not something that's been around for ages so we you know kind of learning it as you go along right but absolutely with the, with you like today because I, I know you do a lot of gear review is it like people just like saying you're wrong about this because i when i i do like a record review it's more like it's just kind of what i feel you know it's like i i don't know like stiff i'm not that that much of like a like a nerd about that. It's just like, I'm hitting with the racket. This is what I feel. And, and that's kind of like how I go by it. But I think you go a little more depth into that stuff. And like, what, what is it that, you know, that kind of irks you when, when guys are like, yeah, uh, so, I mean, there's a lot of misinformation around, which is, which is common, but it, it's usually like the thing that irks me is so that people have maybe the wrong perception, but they are like, so sure of themselves, you know, that's, that's usually mm. what irks me the most. What I get on a on a daily basis, loads of it's like questions of what what to play with and what string to use and what not, and you know, and it's it's overwhelming. You can't reply to everyone, and you, you know, I want to be a nice guy, but it's impossible, right? So, uh, but everyone struggles with the gear, and I, I think I mean I, I agree with I mean ninety nine percent of sane coaches saying, hey, you know, stop worrying about the gear, go to coach, work on your footwork. Like I, I know that for myself or for you know people I play with, right? It's it's that's that's where the issue is. Usually, I mean, obviously, I want like a string in a racket I like, but it's not—it's not like an endless lifelong journey. It, it's if you like, if you find it fun, do that. It's it's fun, but if you want to be a good player or a better player, then you can't focus too much on that. You have to go to be actually playing matches, seeing the match, you know, videotaping the match, check what happened, like what am I doing wrong, you know, why am I doing that around the backhand or stuff like that. So, uh, I, I think that it's just too much focus in general 
on buying the problem away, you know, mm-hmm. um, maybe I'm making it worse. I realize, but it's, it's like, uh, I'm trying <laughs> to just get the information out there. That's what it is. And that, you know, don't worry about what the pros play. This is what they use. That's for them. Don't use that. Like, don't put, yeah. uh, you know, 50 grams of lead tape on a racket. <laughs> you don't no. need to do that. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's crazy. They're always asking, cause I'm like, I've tried, you know, a lot of rackets, a lot of brands. I'm a Yonex guy. I've been playing with Yonex for, since I was 14, I played with head for a little bit during pros, but, uh, cause Yonex was getting very popular and they were like, we can't give you stuff anymore. I was like, are you kidding me? I've been with you for 10 years way before it was cool. Um, but I, I just cannot, I always gravitate back to Yonex. Um, and I, I think they, they make the best brackets to be honest. And uh, like, what you can pick up on the shelf. I think they're like the best, best frames. Um, but, but people are like obsessed with like, my setup i'm like i'm playing with the racket you can buy anywhere like i'm playing with that racket i just put a little bit of lead tape on it and that's it like i don't even have leather grip on it right now um and what the pros play it's like i mean think they're so fine-tuned into their 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 rackets and stuff but yes you can't really buy your way out buy a a good forehand you know I, i do believe that like there's there's, you know, when, when you watch players, you can tell, like, oh, that's a Babola guy. You know what I mean? You watch like guys playing, like Carlos is a Babola guy. Like you look yeah. at him, it's like, he shouldn't be playing with a prestige. You should be playing with that racket. It's like kind of the perfect, but you sort of, that kind of like somehow kind of happens naturally. Maybe like it's the what racket you're playing when you're younger and, and you kind of, your game maybe was shaped more into playing with like with that, that racket style, but it's like, Sometimes when I see guys switching, it's like Jack Sock switching to Yonex. I'm like, what are you doing? You're a you're a Babola guy, like done and done. Like play with Babola. Like what are you doing? Or Stevie Johnson, I think did the same thing. I, th- I think some uh, there's something to that, but then that's to a point where it's like just stick to it and 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 just move on and and go get better at other stuff. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, but it's funny with the pros and the, and the. I think the racket molds you quite a lot, right? So if you've started playing with a racket during like your formative junior years, early years of competing, like some serious events, what racket like made, you know, you, you kind of groomed your strokes. Like, I mean, like Jack mm-hmm. Sox, it doesn't have like a conventional forehand, but it kind of works with his setup. He has a very low string tension. It's kind of a, like a lasso, like trampoline effect. It works mm-hmm. with his game. So for him, I think it's quite like an extreme. It was tough to change, right? But some players, mm-hmm. they can move in between brands a bit easier. But some guys, like you say, Carlos, for example, like you don't give him a, a blade. You know, I, I don't do no. that. That's not going to be the same. I can't think of like Rafa playing with like, you know, like a, like a pro staff. That would be crazy, you know? So yeah, I, I totally agree. You, you mold yourself. I think the kids that like, you know, play with prestiges or smaller racket size early on, they, they tend to look, grow up with maybe a little bit better strokes because they have to be a bit more precise, yeah. but the, you know, it doesn't necessarily make them a better player. It's just, um, I think there's something to it, but yeah, you can, can buy, you know, strings or rackets, uh, to, to level up, a, you know, two UTR points, it's just not gonna happen. <laughs> no, no. I think that's a good realization. Then it's fun too. I think a lot of people like testing and, and that's how I started, but it's mm-hmm. like, you have to realize what you're doing. It's like the same with mm-hmm. when you're playing. Like if, if you're going for your shots in the wrong situations, you have to realize that you're doing that. Like that, you know, nobody's going to tell you unless you have a coach. So you have to see, well, what am I, well, how did that match go sideways? Right. That's, oh, yeah, I was kind of going for my forehand in completely the wrong situation. Like, you know, that's, 
generally how it, how it goes. So I think that's just self-awareness in, in life in general is, is pretty good. <laughs> pretty Absolutely. Good. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so before, I, I know you're going to get a lot of questions. You play with the V core 95, right? Mm -hmm. And the string, what is that? Uh, string, it's been kind of like what I have. <laughs> for free, yeah, it yeah, works too. Sounds um, like me then. So I'm right now, I, I have, I'm with Yonix Polytour. Um, just the basic, like the, the yellow one, um, yeah, one, yeah. one, 125. So 16 L gauge. That's the only thing like I really look for my strings is the, the 16 L like being in 125. Um, I was, I was playing a little bit with gut, uh, for, for some time and it was really good. Um, but I'm, a, I'm, I'm kind of a poly guy. Like I, I, my, 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 the way I play, I don't have a lot of spin. So I, I want to feel a little bit more. I always was more control oriented. Uh, I'm, I'm string, I, I strung like between 58 and 62 pounds basically forever. So I, I, yeah, no, with, with poly, I go full oh, poly, like, right. yeah, really high tension because I, my feeling is I always had a problem if I was missing long, if it felt like the ball was flying on me, I get tentative. I don't swing out anymore. So I, my correction was always like, I, I'm going to string pretty tight and, but I, I'm going to allow myself to just swing out because of kind of the way I play, not necessarily too much spin, good amount of spin, but like, no, I wouldn't say flat, but I want to play through the court and I want to have the feeling that um, the ball is just not going to fly on me. So the gut was, it was great. It was great for serving. Um, and definitely for certain shots, they were like, woof, that came off hot. That, that wasn't supposed to be a winner. But I think for the way I play, you know, in matches really, uh, and it, it was the way to do it was to go back to, to poly. Um, and also didn't really have access to, to a lot of gut. So what, you know, why bother? Um, but I played basically the last two years, um, with uh the head it was like the head i think it's like links tour what they call it now when they yeah. gave it to me when i was with head was like um i think they call it the experimental it was like the the yellowish one and i love that string i think that's a really good string um for basically anything i i, I think it's really good and recently actually in two, two of my tournaments i was playing with the technifiber one the, the all white i don't know what the, the name of it but they had sent it to me and it's kind of what I had, and I really like that one. I, 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 it's a bit soft, but it's not soft that is kind of meh, mushy. Yeah. Um, and I really like that string. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I really like that string. I kind of like highly recommend that string. Like I, I, I think it's soft. It's nice, and 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 I was playing pretty well with it. So I'm gonna try to get my hands on that. Um, I, I like the Poly Tour, but if I was actually competing, I think I'd go for something else. Yeah, cool. No, I, I that is a little bit softer, I think, Polytor. But the, like, for mm -hmm. example, the Lynx Tour is, is great string and it's very like nice and bitey and good control, right? You can mm -hmm. string it lower. Uh, I know several pros like who, who use Lynx Tour because it's just like super dependable, you know? It, it's, yeah, uh, it's it is. It games. totally is. It totally is. I, I, I don't have a lot of experience with Luxloom. I know a lot of people play with Lux. Uh, I don't have a lot of experience playing with Lux, but from my experience, like, I, I think Link Store is one of the best strings out there, really. I mean, I played with Solinko for the most part when I was playing pros, Torbite. Honestly, pretty solid, dependable strings. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's, you know, things that are much better than that. And I, I always enjoyed it. So for me, as long as it's strung, strung tight and I'm not losing a lot of tension throughout my, the, the set, that, that's what I need. If it's something like Alu Power that loses a lot of tension, I, I can't play with it.
Yeah, then you need a bunch of rackets, right? So you need to like, yeah. when you see the pros, they cycle like maybe they have six rackets and you know the tension drops quickly if you hit hard with a lot of spin. So you can see that yeah. like if you're watching the French for people listening, like it's it's uh you can notice how many how often they change rackets, like depending a little bit on the string. I mean look look at a guy like Medvedev, he he doesn't change his racket. Like if the string breaks, he changes it, you know. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's kinda it's kinda funny. But yeah, it's like a loop power is like that and I just for me, I mean, if you're playing futures, you don't want to string six rackets a, a match. <laughs> so you got to keep it a little more dependable. So I'd say um, there, there's definitely good stuff out there. I mean, obviously, you know more, but I think I think those are some solid strings, to be honest. Yeah, all good. All good. Yeah, I, I agree with those. They're, they're all good and all good brands. And I think uh, what I've talked about before, but I think that, like, you know, the string is usually as important, if not sometimes more than the racket. So if you have a dependable string, you know, the racket if within, within a certain parameter of like your swing weight what you kind of like the weight the balance mm -hmm. the, the head size then you can kind of mix in between the rackets but but the string if you don't like the string if you feel like the string is dropping tension or if you're it's a little bit you know i, I hate mushy strings like the like mm -hmm. you know it's the worst so if that's wrong it doesn't matter what racket you play with like it doesn't matter if the string is not like tension properly like you can't play like it's it's very tough to, to rely on your strokes right I totally agree. Yeah, the strings. I think it's the most important thing. Strings have the grip that you like, all that stuff, and and brackets. You can have a you know a three year old to four year old like you know B chord whatever that I play with ninety five, and it will play pretty great still as long as it's strung nicely and and to my liking. So yeah, I agree. Uh, when did you start doing the the podcast? I think during COVID, like everyone else, everyone started a podcast mm. during COVID. It's just like a way to keep you know catch up with people i i am like you know a journalist from the beginning so for me it was like what can i do that reminds me of my normal job <laughs> you know it's like that so it, and also I, I love talking to people in general you learn so much you know it's a fun thing uh so it kind of became natural but it, it's it's a grind to do it for a while it was a grind like you have to find like you know guests and stuff now i uh, i enjoy it more because okay i can like yeah i just found like a better slot of doing it a better way of doing it maybe i'm just more mm -hmm. mentally in the in the zone and I meet more people, so it's it's uh, during COVID was a bit, a bit no, weird. That's, you know? that's cool. I've we thought about doing it. I, I actually might might start something like soon. Um, yeah. Maybe like do it some something where it's like a little bit more, you know, maybe a little bit more in the instructional side, taking some questions from from people stuff. Like that. Just something yeah. a little maybe a little bit different that to 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 kind of maybe do it even on the road and stuff. Um, but I'm I'm just, I was just curious because it's definitely something that is like. It's already overwhelming to you know be doing videos, be doing everything because I'm still coaching, I'm still having to 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 be on that grind. So I, I um, you know, to to add another thing, I'm like always a little hesitant because I want to ma maintain the YouTube going at full steam. But but it seems like it's a good, great way to have conversations with people and 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 you know get some guests there. Like I'm sure you've had some really cool guests, so um, I'm definitely considering it. Yeah, I mean, I can recommend it from like a what you learn and what you get from it financially it's not going to be like at least not for me mm -hmm. like i'm not the best guy at just making money overall but but um you know some ways you Same. can you, yeah yeah so it's like I, but I, I really need to enjoy what i'm doing like you, you mentioned that in the beginning i think that's so important that if you're doing something if you don't enjoy it and i worked like corporate world before you know i started doing mm -hmm. this you know and i i did not enjoy that even though i was there for a long time that's what you're doing you know you're going up the ranks or uh, and I did some fun stuff. I actually had pretty fun jobs, but it was still like, you know, you're, you're kind of in some kind of prison, you know, <laughs> your, your, your yeah. day is 
is similar in a way. So so that part is fun, but this is just adding like a spice to what I what I like. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm I'm not the best guy to give advice. Like I now have so many different channels to keep up with, just because I want to learn, you know, and 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 keep up to date. But it's it's also like you mentioned, it, it's kind of refreshing just to have, for example, YouTube, and not worry about like for example, Instagram they have one algorithm, YouTube have one algorithm, TikTok have one algorithm. Then you have the Twitter stuff, which you have to sit there and and, and be a troll for most of your days to to gain any traction. Um, so it's just like endless of of oh you have to learn all the algorithms. They change all the time. So. It's a frustration. Yeah, it's it's very limiting. The the algorithms are are very limiting. Like I, you know, I enjoy doing like you know vlog kind of content. You know, like I did with the Ohi video and and whatnot. And and the the response to them are usually really nice. Like people are like, oh, that was great. Like I I, I love this kind of content. Like you should do this more often. But but the numbers are terrible. You know, like that it gets twenty k views and 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 it completely dies off. I tried to do it a little bit earlier this year when I was traveling with Marcos to Australia, and after a little bit, I think the videos did so badly that like the YouTube wasn't getting recommended to a lot of people anymore, and I had to like grind it back. Uh, so it's like it, it, the algorithms can be kind of limiting. Where I think in a podcast situation, you can just you know have conversations, not think about necessarily so so much into you know that kind of playing that game you know what i mean it's that can be a little bit limiting so totally feel you on that no i think the the issue i have when i noticed that too with youtube is that if you want to experiment and you want to try something new like you want to go off track a bit you know which i always try to do new stuff like okay my my main skill maybe is rackets and strings i i know that pretty well but I want to do other stuff, you know, just because I like it, you know, and I, I want to mm-hmm. see you have other people see other stuff, you know. So but then if, if YouTube <laughs> doesn't like it and you do that for a while, it's like you said, it punishes you. Right. It's just like, mm-hmm. OK, now we won't recommend the other stuff either because you were a naughty boy and you did some bad content, you know, whatever. And you're like, well, and, and that those videos maybe were the ones you put in the most editing time. You were recording mm-hmm. stuff that you are not used to doing. So it was like pretty fresh. For example, like a vlog, you know, and I, I notice the same, like if I go to a tournament uh, or an event, you know, and I film and I, you know, you meet some player, or whatever, people don't really care, you know, it's like they, oh, but what is, the, is the head gravity or the V Corp Pro is, which one is the best, you know, and I'm like, well, <laughs> this is now boring me, <laughs> you know, so it's like, exactly, it's exactly that, it's, <laughs> that's so funny, because it's exactly that, I, I truly enjoy making this like kind of more vloggy content, but, um, but yeah, like it, it did punish us. Like yeah. earlier this year, I was freaking out a little bit. I was like, after I post three vlogs from Australia, and then I posted a video of me, Marcos training on Rod Laver Arena. It was like a thirty-minute video of where we're hitting. It's usually like what people love to see, right? Like you know, yeah. court level. And it didn't recommend to anybody. Like it just like it wasn't. I wasn't getting recommended on my own like personal channel. And obviously, whenever I post on Tennis HQ, it's the first thing that pops up on my personal yeah. channel. And I was like, oh, my God, like, we're actually getting punished here. So I had to go back into kind of doing the, the old stuff. And, and that can be, uh, you know, like you said, you want to do stuff that you're passionate about. Um, you know, sometimes my best lessons are the ones that I'm like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm really feeling like this last video that I posted on my forehand. It's because I was like, really like, you know, feeling this and I, I had gone through it and I wanted to like share that um, uh, as opposed to just being like, Oh, here is another way to to hit a forehand. I, I'm not gonna reinvent the wheel. I, I told you a million times what to do on this side. Like it's the, you're either doing it or not. I'm not gonna like come up with some bio mechanical 
thing about it. I'm just, I don't care about that stuff. I, I, I the match is playing a different way, and I don't, I don't think about that, and I don't want to talk about that. So, um, but yeah, it can be a little bit limiting. It's kind of, kind of interesting how, how I think I guess everyone is kind of going through that. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the the videos you put in the least effort is more like you know you fart them out and they they work really well. And some videos yeah. you work really hard on, they're like tanking, and you're like, what? Why? Why is what's happening? It's like a roulette, you know. You're like you're putting in the mm -hmm. money and you. You, you rarely understand the results. So, so I find it fascinating and frustrating at the same time. It's like one of those that I would like it to be more like, okay, you know, you have your audience and then obviously that YouTube would be more generous with the recommendations where if you, if you keep, let's say, you know, engaging the audience, but also, you know, you're pretty regular with your updates, right? For example, like I understand if you go away for three months, you know, and then mm -hmm. you come back, uh, but, but if you're pretty regular, yeah, but I, I guess it's, yeah. it's how, it, how it works, you know? It's a weird thing. Like this last video, like I posted, I think it's 17 days ago and, and we haven't posted, I have a video ready to, 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 to upload, but, um, this one has been doing so well that I, part of me was just, let's just let it run. Like, why would I post something else if this one continues to keep getting, getting mm -hmm. views, um, and is actually bringing a lot of, you know, subscribers and new, new, new people. I'm like, I'm going to let this one run for a little bit and then, then make a next, another post. Cause sometimes you've, you post a new one, the new one doesn't do it as well. And then the other one stops getting the recommendations and, and it kind of like stops it all. So it's kind of a game. It's, it's a bit frustrating, but it's kind of like a fun thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. You have to just deal with it. And I, I think it's, yeah. it's good not to be a slave to the analytics. I mean, something mm -hmm. I'm, I'm learning as well. Like you just not worry too much about it. Like, like you guys have a website, which has been around for ages. So that's really what's kind of bringing in good, pretty good traffic. So at least that's there, you know, I have to worry about the YouTube so much, but, um, but yeah, it can be like, oh, you watch the analytics and then la la la. And I know YouTube is mm -hmm. a much bigger, uh, like in, not in tennis, cause tennis is also a niche, right? So we're in a niche mm -hmm. that is not the biggest niche. Uh, if you do like iPhone reviews and you're pretty big, that's, that's huge. Everybody buys iPhones, right? So what about golf? Golf is gigantic. You can be a terrible golfer, but if you're posting enough and, and you, maybe you're kind of fun, you know, we have a yeah, fun yeah. personality, whatever. You're just with your boys playing golf, like huge channels, huge channels. And tennis, like people, you know, are having a hard time cracking, you know, 150,000 subscribers. You know, like I, I think they're yeah. the OG guys that have been doing it and they have the, those numbers. Um, obviously, Felix has been crushing in, in this last, tennis brother kid has been cr crushing in this last like year or so, but. But it is a small niche. It's like a, you know, in tennis, like a, I have no expectations to be like, you know, a lot above like two hundred thousand. I, I, I don't think like I, I feel like it's unless it's something changes and tennis becomes like a really, really popular thing. Um, like you kind of get to a point where it's like now, how can you, you know, use the what you got and you know make yeah. it into different things and business and whatever. So, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing. Yeah, I think it's um, there's definitely some kind of ceiling. Maybe hopefully break point or whatever. I mean, obviously, if you're in tennis, and I talk to tennis people a lot about this, like it feels like the the demographic of tennis they're they're aging a bit, right? So it feels like you know the young generation they're more into maybe video games or video game competitions or you know TikTok or whatever. Um, don't want to put them down, but but it's like tennis is very one of the most difficult sports in the world. But it seems also like tennis has a bit of a problem if you compare it to golf. Like golf seems to have found a way to kind of make it cool, right? A bit cooler. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, that's cool. my feeling with golf, right? That's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, because I, think, I mean, I I, golf I, my golf. I used to play golf when I was younger. Pretty decent golfer. 
Um, and uh, and it's like back then it was like okay, you know, you play golf. Like I mean, in Sweden it was like a popular time, but golf was still kind of like for old guys, right? It was like an old white guy sport. But now golf seems to be like quite hip. They're making it like grow the game. They're talking about like let's make let's make this a thing, you know, outside the typical country club vibe, right? But I think tennis needs to do some of that because we're we're still stuck with this like it's huge costs, you know. You have to go to academies, you have to travel all around to play the sport, right? And and it's like you have to string your rackets, get loads of different rackets, and and or get like at least a bunch of rackets for the same. So it's a it's a costly sport, and uh, and it needs lots of repetitions. So it's not like very beginner friendly, right? You can't even rally for the first, you know, sessions, right? So it's. Uh, I mean, it's like that's why pickleball has taken over here in America, right? Because it's you you go do one lesson you can play a game you know everyone wants to play a game like how long does it take a tennis player to to go from like learning the stroke to actually holding a rally a couple of years like to hold like a decent rally a couple of years who wants to go through that you know um and and so how do you get i totally agree with you how do you get the 21 year old to want to go play tennis or the you know some or the 25 year old who has you know is making some money now and wants to because that's what golf is at, where you get like people maybe around my age, the 25s to 29s, who are working, making some money. They go to golf tournaments. They spend spend money on gear. They spend money on clothing. There's all these new clothing brands that are there in golf and all this stuff because it is that is like oh we we have this new like new age of players that is playing and and in tennis. I don't know if you were too stuck up on 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 tradition, whatever it is that that we're doing that maybe is not allowing the, the sport to be as cool as it needs to be. Um, it's obviously very player, player reliant. We had a, obviously a golden age of players the last 20 years. Um, yeah. And I think Carlos is definitely saving, saving the, <laughs> I freaking love that guy. He's so fun to watch. So hopefully, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, we got sure. a few more guys like that, that, that make it exciting, but, yeah, I don't know the solution. I, I, I think part of what I try to do with tennis HQ is try to make it just a little bit cooler. I don't know, like it, it's the the camera angles, the 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 stories, the, whatever it is. But it, it definitely is. I mean, at least we got a good amount of people trying to do that online because it, it starts, I think, in social media too, like us yep. trying to do something. I know, I know we can. I don't know. I don't know exactly how you know how people really see it. You know, like let's say, like a you know a top coach sees someone coaching on YouTube, they're like, oh, that's that's BS, whatever. I don't know how what's the the feeling of it, but for the most part, I you know I every tournament I go, I have people like, oh, my tennis HQ or whatever, and yeah. it seems like you're doing something good. So you know, but I think you think it, it can be, it could be better. Um, I don't know exactly the solution, but it could be better. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think this kind of grow the game vibe that golf has. I think it's something we can kind of adopt a bit. And I'm the same. I'm like, I would love people to just find find tennis. And I, you know, I'm happy when I get like emails from people who are like, yeah, I just started like six months ago. I don't know anything about this. What racket should I use? Whatever. It's nice because there are newcomers, but sometimes mm. it kind of comes off as a bit of a stale aging group especially on tv and stuff so i think there's there's work to be done uh, but you know you can push it in the right direction it's not like a dead sport it's still one of the biggest yeah it's, like it's just an aging demographic right yeah for sure yeah so um talking about players carlos one of your favorite the explosive carlos what what else do you have like in favorite player list marcos Giron. um Marcos, I think Marcos has a pretty fun game he's obviously yeah. like he actually has like a really fun explosive game um and, leg drive. and this guy has you know huge legs we like i mean we tell him it's like 
just like go like kind of like go buy like Carlitos a little bit. Carlitos yeah. just I mean if you if you he has a big forehand, he has like uh, you know a big serve for a guy who who's like not that tall, Marcos, and and I think like. That's what we want. Whenever he's like flowing like that and hitting, going almost like for the highlights that the Carlos goes, he plays his best. It's just hard to to be at that, um, you know, mental space all the time. But besides him, you know, besides the two of them, I I mean, I'm fascinated by by the new. I think Medvedev is like it's just fascinating. I didn't get it for the longest time. I was like, I don't get it. Like I I just don't get like how he does what he does. And and now I just like I don't even try to understand it anymore. I just find it absolutely hilarious. He him just himself. I think the whole thing is just really fun. So I like watching him. I like watching Carlos. Uh, I like watching Sinner. I think Sinner just. I mean, you watch him hit the ball live. You're like, whoa! Like yeah, that yeah. it comes off so easy off his racket. Um, he rips it from I, the I, from the hip, kind of. It's like an interesting. Mm -hmm. you know, he just like lassos it. It's an amazing mm -hmm. timing and and just doesn't look like because he's not a muscly guy. He doesn't have like huge legs or whatever. You know, like if you look at Carlos and him, you're like, oh, these both tennis players. You know, yeah. But, then he generates the same amount of pace on the ball, right? He's same amount of pace. So his, his, I like his game. Um, there's a few guys like, I think like Tommy Paul when he's playing some good hardcore tennis over and volley is, is kind of fun. He's, he's kind of added that like coming to the net game. I think it's kind of fun. Um, I enjoy, Fokina is a guy who I actually yeah. underrated, like fun guy to watch play. He's explosive. He can hit the living crap out of the ball. Um, but he also, you know, uses the drop shot and it's like athletic. Um, so he's, he's overlooked, kind of I think, a lot. Overlooked for sure. I think he, he's kind of like, I mean, it's bad to say, not poor man Alcaraz, but like he's kind of like a little bit below, I'd say, in the, in the athleticism, but like right there. So guy that is like kind of fun to watch. Um, yeah, I think those, those would, be, would be the guys. Um, there's definitely... You know, some some. I mean, I the guy you know, Thiago, who just beat Daniel, is, is a guy who I know is very talented. He's a, has had some off court problems, but like I just watching him hit the ball, you're like, oh my gosh, like how you're not top thirty in the world. Um, so there, there's definitely some there's definitely some some fun players. I I do like actually Iga. I think she's fine fun to watch. I think she's pretty athletic, especially you know if anyone has ever. Everyone has ever asked me, like, would you be Naomi? Like, is there any, you know, like, what's the situation there? What's the difference? And a lot of people think it's pace. And I, I, I never, the, the difference between men and women is movement. It's not pace, it's movement. I think guys are just getting to I mean, more balls so that there's a little more explosiveness. Um, but Iga kind of brings that a little bit into to the women's tennis, sliding and doing kind of Novak, Novak things. So I actually find her pretty entertaining to watch. Yeah, no, I think I think uh, Iga is also one of my favorite. She has kind of that kind of ATP style on the strokes as well, with enough spin. Because mm -hmm. I mean, like going back in the WTA tour days, is my reading of it is uh, they were hitting a lot through the court. It was a very flat, kind of very like wind down behind your back technique, you know. Going mm -hmm. so now it's changed. They they're bringing in like more of a variety. You have Onstrebor, you have players that that dare to do a little bit more with the ball, mm -hmm. even hit it bigger or or play more drop shots and stuff. So I think tennis is doing. Well, like in terms of variety on both men's and, and women's tour, you know, like, you know, Tiafo is a fun guy, plays uh, with the hands mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So just having that variety is important. We can't have, well, like, if we just have, like, a guy who just two meters hitting from the baseline with a good serve, it, it's going to kill the sport. We need the yeah. guys to hit different, look different, 
get contrast, get some aggro, I think is always good. Like some a bit yeah. of like feistiness in matches is always good because otherwise tennis looks too much country club, right? You need to get that, like a little bit of, of, uh, of stuff happening on the court, right? Yeah, no, I totally agree. There, there needs to be like some like rivalry, some some drama. At the end of the day, that that people gravitate towards that, and and you know, for example, like I know he's a great player, but like Zverev bores me to death. I cannot watch him play. I find him so boring to to, to watch. And 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 you know, again, guys, guys, nails. I'm sure he's gonna win a slam or two, but but man, he's just like he's six six and he's like out there grinding and 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 just playing so far behind the baseline and he's just like it's like oh god it's so boring and then you watch the car carlos for me it's like he's the first guy and i love nowadays i love rafa i love novak but feather was my guy i mean i mean feather was just like what he was doing i think i don't think people fully understand how hard it is to win that much the way he played that aggressively yeah, exactly. that agree, yeah it's so difficult to, to, to just be on it that much, uh, playing that aggressive with tennis um, and coming up with the highlights, coming up with the, the stuff that he does. And, and Carlos is the first guy since Roger that I, I, I feel that. Every time he plays, something happens. You're like, what? Um, like, how was that possible? So um, I think he's going to – I think he, he will continue to, to bring a lot of people in. And, and I'm, I'm fascinated by how his arc is going to be because – we know how it is. He's dominating. That's probably going to be a plateau, maybe a little drop. Like people maybe figure out like what to do with him, and can he come back from that and all that. So it's going to be an interesting like arc for us to watch. I think. Yeah, I I agree. I think we have similar tastes. I mean, it's like swear bores me a lot, and I I think one of the telling matches I was at the Boss Open, um, or that was called the Mercedes Cup back then, but it was. It's a tournament I go to every year. It's on grass, you know. Uh, my friend runs it, so it's like just a fun tournament. You can hang around w with the players and 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 watch some good tennis. And it's pretty relaxed, you know. It's it's like a bit before Wimbledon, so it's not just like just a week before. Mm -hmm. it's, it's maybe two three weeks. Um, and he was playing Dustin Brown, and and okay, take on paper two Germans, right? But but Dustin Brown got all the love, and he ended up mm -hmm. winning the match. And then I go oh, down wow. to the to the hotel bar in the evening and who I see having two, three pints, Dustin Brown. <laughs> <He's playing laughs> I mean, I'm not giving recommendations to younger listeners, but it's, yeah, don't like, do that. it's just a different mentality and vibe that the crowd liked more um, than the Sverv vibe, you know, and I don't want to this yeah. too much. I mean, he's a very, very good athlete, but it's not like something that excites you. And if you take another tall guy, like you mentioned Medvedev, who's like running around like an octopus, and you don't know how any stroke comes back. And it looks like he started playing tennis maybe two weeks ago. And But he's very athletic. But it, this guy, he, he, you know, he uses all the fundamentals of tennis. And it just makes it look his own way, right? It's just amazing yeah. how he... It, he figured it out. You know, it's how, how do you get the ball from point A to point B? And it doesn't really matter how you do it if you do it effectively. And and you, I think throughout the... You know, I, I think the people who are a little different, who figure out in a little different way, are actually the most dangerous. You know, Rafa with his thing over the head, you know, it was just like, you know, the coach, isn't there a thing with Tony was like, he hit it over the head and he was like, oh my God, keep doing that because your ball comes off way better yeah, <laughs> when yeah. you do that. And, 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 you know, so people kind of figure it out. Obviously you have Feather with this like very perfect strokes, but like for, for the most part, you have guys who, who kind of figure it out in, a, in an awkward way, but they, they get a lot on the ball. So um, yeah, there's definitely dudes, you know, Francis is, a, is an example of that, Tiafo 
definitely weird strokes, but like you know, comes up with like crazy stuff out of that, and and it's just the way the the game is played. That's why you know, on the channel, I do I'm like no obsess over the technique. You know, if you're doing something, if you're getting the ball from point A to point B well, um, you know, just do that. It's just like it. Also, people are unrealistic. I think about you know, like I don't play with a lot of spin. Like I can't play like Rafa. Like that wouldn't be the guy for me to try to hit the ball like. You know what I mean? I, I need to find someone that around more my my style to to, to let's say copy. Um, so I think that's that's part of like you know if you're very you know high spin, we love you know your ball just comes off naturally with a lot of spin. Then you have to you know play a game that 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 allows you to use utilize that to your advantage a lot more. So um, so that's why I know the pro tour is so fun because you see that you know. You just see dudes who figured it out a different way, more spin, less spin, more high, less height, you know, serving volleying, you know, with a couple guys, but it's just the way the, the game is played. It's pretty fun. I think when, when, when you just kind of like analyze that and you forget the whole, like, you know, technique and whatever. No, but it's like what we talked about before. I think it's, it's the key, key thing is that the mental game is so important. People don't see what's happening by the scenes. And I think like we you take a guy like, uh, Maxim Cressy, I, I, that's the French way of saying it, but it's Cressy, you know, mm -hmm. and and yeah, he was my teammate. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was gonna yeah. say, and and uh, and he has brought his game from somewhere to like the top, and he has his own way of going about it. He plays server volley. He uses one racket for serves and one for returns, and he keeps working as a journal on the on the court. It's like it's his way, and he found mm -hmm. a way to work. You know, it, people might say whatever. Oh, you can't play server volley. It's twenty twenty three. Well, he makes it work for his game. He brings it so he can make a good living out of tennis. So that's the beauty of the sport that you can actually like, okay, what am I good at? What can I, you know, grow as a strength? And how can I limit the weakness I have? Because it's sometimes you can't change if you have a weak back and it's not going to be like, you know, a gas K one-hander or, you know, like that. So it's like you have to be realistic, you know, and, and I, you said it earlier, right? But it's, it's very important for, for all levels. And yeah, um, it's a basically that kind of different style, right? Cressy is like, the perfect example of that when I was with him at UCLA, basically like he came in, not necessarily like a very good player. He didn't make the lineup. Um, and, and I think sometimes he's a little bit weird about that in some interviews, but he was like, he was just not good enough to make the lineup. It wasn't like anything against him. It just wasn't good enough. Like he couldn't like, be, like we played doubles together and he was really tight. He was just like, couldn't like basically breathe is actually kind of crazy. Um, I was calling all the shots. I was calling his serves. Like he literally couldn't talk uh, on his first year, and and you know his forehand was a disaster. He, like you know our coach was having to basically teach him like a, like a little boy, like how to like hit the, the forehand. And he was trying to play this game kind of from the baseline. He's a very athletic guy, and it just wasn't working. And then I think it, there there was like a shift there during summer where like, I think a different coach just kind of started making him serve in volley and and you know, why you're trying to rally from the back with the, with the forehand that you have. Like, he has a good, he had a good forehand return and a good, you know, good returns in general. But just start coming in, just play that, that game. And, and, and he fully committed to it. And, and his commitment to that and then figuring out the mental part um, of, of things, like to, to be able to play a little, a little more, more free. Um, I think he was coming up in the scene. He was a little bit crazy on the court, and he's kind of putting a target on his back. And he, he's he's calmed himself down. I I mean, I tip my hat to the guy. Like, to, you know, none of us expected him to 
to do anything really to be honest i it it, it was came to as a huge surprise but he believed it uh, first of all and, and and he made the necessary adjustments and and he has some physical talents i mean he's six seven but he's he's an athlete i mean if he had been a sprinter or if he had been a, a, a i don't know like a um a wide receiver or something like that i mean he he's an athlete he's like he's built like i mean he's in one step he's at the net so it's like he's using to his best advantage and he's playing some some good tennis he's making a living out of it maybe during the clay court season is not going to be his best but grass is coming and no one wants to see him in a draw so yeah it's also like the variety of tennis because it's like if you have a big I mean, there was a period in tennis where the there was too much big serving going on. I think people got a bit tired of it. Like Karlovic was doing well. There was Isner going upwards, and 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 I know like you know Riley Opelka obviously is is not so happy when people call him serve bot and stuff like that. They're just using what they have, right, and maximizing yeah. that, which is part of the rules. Uh, but now it's like it's just a variety. So obviously, as a player, you wouldn't want to get that guy because you get no rhythm. You know, no ball is the same. You always have to figure out a solution every time he just comes at the net. So it's like a nightmare, especially first round nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, but it's a part of the game. Part of you have to find a solution. Like how can I deal with this guy? How can I return the serve? How can I hold my serve, which is number one, I guess, in that situation? Yeah, so it's, yeah it's it's just again, it's a part of the game, the matchups, right? Like a lot of people, you know, struggle with the pusher, with the this or the that. It's matchups, and you have to figure it out. And some matches are always going to be bad. Some matches are going to be a bit better, and just the way it is, but it, it's it's part of it, and I think yeah, like you said, I think tennis has a good amount of that right now, which is kind of which is kind of nice. And no one is truly dominating, you know. Carlos obviously is doing well, but no one's like like truly like you know Rafa, Federer, Novak domination just yet. So it adds a little like a little you know variety to what can happen in the tournament, and it's 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 not a bad thing. I think actually, it's if anything, the ten the the women are being a little more consistent with who's winning, and, and the guys are like kind of a little more up and down. I mean, it's still the same kind of guys in general, but there's definitely been some more like upsets and stuff. Yeah, I think we will see a shift now. I think starting this year, that's my feeling at least, like the generational shift has to start. Like, I mean, Rafa's injured, Roger is retired. Novak is is good, but he's not like a sure bet. You know, it's not like, okay, it's Novak, he just wins. Okay, maybe Wimbledon, he will be a big, big, big favorite but for this tournament you know it's not that easy to pick him just outright easily so yeah i think that's that's good for for men's tennis we need a little bit of a different type of period after this you know amazing three goats you know <laughs> charting yeah. around i mean it's, uh, it's crazy <laughs> yeah it's, it's literally people don't realize how crazy that's yeah. that is like that just they mop out or mop up pretty much every grand slam for 20 years you know <laughs> what is it, that? it's crazy what happened for 20 years like i, I think we, we'll have to look back at that like whoa like because it, it can happen that soon. We always say that, like you know, Pete retires, like no one's gonna beat that that yeah, that yeah, record. Yeah. And then you know, three guys came and did it. But I, I find it hard to believe that someone's gonna. I mean, I know Carlos probably has the most chance of like going up in those numbers, but like you know, ten is a good number. Like twenty, yeah. twenty-two. That's just crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just, ten I, for him. I definitely. I mean, that he could probably go further, but it's also yeah. he's going to get some stern opposition, and also his body obviously is going to be a thing, right? If he's already struggling a little bit with elbow and and some stuff, right? Yeah. So I think you know I have to keep. He's too athletic. Going. He's going to have to learn how to pick his spots a bit better. Yeah. I think yeah. that that that's the main thing. He's just kind of like early Rafa was like that too, would run to everything, and yeah. now like older Rafa was a lot more like. A lot more chill, so yeah, no, it's, it's that's, actually that's very true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's so explosive, and that's why I love watching him as well. 
you want to see an athlete, right? Sports. So you want to see an mm -hmm. athlete and the way he just moves to the ball and hurdles himself. And then it's like a forehand down the line winner. Like it's just amazing. It's just, that's how beautiful sport can be, right? When he does yeah. that. Uh, but it can equally be fun to see someone just grind out like a very mental, ugly win, right? But but this yeah. this Carlos thing is, and also he, you see it like his personality and how much he loves being in the spotlight and how much he loves his own game. It's also kind of infectious. You're like, you know, you cannot root for this guy. He's like, he loves being there. He's a good ambassador. He seems like a nice guy. It's all, all there, right? He, he reminds me, you know, like I think my favorite NBA player like recently has been Steph Curry. And, yeah. and you can tell there's like a, he's doing crazy stuff and he's, he, he's obviously really good at that. I mean, he's, it's not luck. He, he's trained that and he's like an absolute killer of an athlete, but you see he has like, a, there's almost like childlike joy to what he does. And I, I see that in Carlos, he hits some shots that he's like, Ooh, that was nice. You know, and I it's just like, you just kind of like, you know, you still have that, that sort of like that joy that, you know, you, you, you know, you can hit those shots, but when you hit them, you still have that feeling that basically like, you know, like you were a kid. And I see that a lot with, with Steph. It was always like that, that he, you know, he's having a good time, but he's also a killer. So it's like when you combine those things in terms of like, you know, you have this joy and you're having a good time on court, but you're, you're calm and you're, you're also a killer and you, you, you want to win. Oof, that is a, that is a combination that is, that is really difficult to, to stop. So that's why I think he's you know, obviously doing so well. Yeah, very cool. Uh, man, I'm going to have to go pack because I'm going to Paris tomorrow morning. Sounds good. But, um, but this is fun. I mean, I could probably talk for two more hours easily. <laughs> we can do it again. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll do it yeah. again. We'll do it again for sure. Um, I'm going to be... Are you going to Wimbledon? Uh, maybe. I don't know yet. I'm going to Boss and then maybe Mallorca. Mallorca is another grass. I might do yeah. two grass courts. And then we'll see about Wimbledon. I'm not quite sure. You know, it's a lot of traveling this summer, but... Will be fun. Yeah. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be in all those clay, those grass events. So if you're in Mallorca or something, I'm sure Mark is gonna play. Um, unless maybe you know he makes a deep run and wants to take the week off, but I'll be in you know all those tournaments. So maybe I'll see Very you. Cool. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll see you there for sure. I mean, if you're going to Stuttgart, I'm not sure if he's going to Halle or Stuttgart, but that will. He's doing. He's doing. He's doing. Isn't it Stuttgart then Halle or is it? Yeah, yeah. Stuttgart, Stuttgart first, Stuttgart, first for and sure. then Halle. Stuttgart is the first yeah, one, I think. Yeah. Yeah, he's doing Stuttgart for sure. So I think we'll we'll be there. Cool, man. I'll see you there then. That will be fun. Yeah. Awesome. That was awesome. very nice chatting to you. And uh, good luck with your UTR and YouTubing and all the stuff that you do. And we'll just, you know, keep in touch. And uh, anytime you want to pod or, you know, you have time, we, we slot it in another chat. Absolutely. Let's do it. And uh, have a fun trip to, to the French. Make, awesome. some fun, make some fun content there that you want to do and that, that you know. Maybe it's not going to do as well, but you're going to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll make some good content that nobody wants to see. <laughs> All right, man. Safe trips. Great chat. Yeah, same, man. Nice talking to you. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. Bye.